census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd, and we are here in uh, the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, being brought to you by the Dorkening Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And uh, I, of course, am not here by myself. I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is... Really? You have to take two breaths? The Mistress of Merlot, the... Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé. I got those out of order, but I remembered the first one. That was the important one. She is uh, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen. As you've already heard, it's Ashes Von Nightmare. <gasps> Hi. Listen, I was <laughs> taking a deep breath to make sure that I got all 912 of your nicknames uh, I wanted to be very thorough. I wanted to make sure that I got everything, because um, this is a a very, very awesome episode, uh, as as all the episodes are. But I'm very excited for this one, because this week we're talking about Jaws. Shark. In in honor of uh, Shark Week. Shark Week. Ooh ah ah. Kind of yes, uh, <laughs> because. We like sharks in this house. Ugh. We do. We do. Well, I do especially. You know, an occasional like contributor. I have, I have sharks in my, uh, like on my moderately enthusiastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, passing, passing fancy. Uh, I have sharks everywhere. I have. Uh, we're, well, we're going to talk about what's on my monitor in a moment, but uh, we decided for our getting into character question to talk about some of our favorite sharks because that is a question that I get asked a lot what's your favorite shark and I do have a couple of answers which you know in all honesty along with what is your favorite dinosaur a question that is not asked enough of adults that's what I was gonna uh, bring up because we've brought like, that why up are on the we show. not having these kind of like fuck small talk these are the kind of hard-hitting conversations that I want to have yes I understand the weather has been shitty but I don't care about that what's your favorite dinosaur what's your favorite shark if you could be any land animal what would you be you know like those are those are the hard-hitting questions that we want the answers to and so those are the questions that we ask so ashes yes what is your favorite shark and you can list a couple of them because on this show and if you uh, go to throwdownthursdaypodcast.com and you see any of my uh uh list articles you'll notice there's always uh multiple honorable mentions that's what we do we do uh, well, Whatever I do we more. want because it's our show and not yours. Right, I, I tend to do more honorable mentions. I usually like, oh, it's our top, 
you know, 20 movies of the year. Here's my list is of 63. It, is, okay, so question for you then. Is that because you have, like, severe ADD, ADHD, and you can't make up your mind? Yeah, mostly. Mostly. It's like, they had come up with these ideas, and, you know, like the, the, the article I just wrote about who is worthy to lift Mjolnir, and there, there's a lot of... There's a lot of different characters, you know, because I wanted to go outside of comics. And, you know, I came up with 15, but I easily could have come up with 25 or 100. Um, but I wanted to, you know, tone it down, do my top 10 list. So my top 10 list had 15 in it. So uh, what's your uh, favorite sharks? So my first favorite shark is uh, it's a different kind of shark. It's not a shark that you technically think of when you think of the word shark. You know, people could tend to think of like great whites or hammerheads or even like tiger sharks. A um, what? A what? <laughs> uh, I say that anytime someone <laughs> says tiger, tiger shark. shark. Uh, but it's a whale shark. Mm. I love whale sharks. I think, I mean, first off, they're really interesting in the sense that they're not like your typical shark. You could play checkers they, on their back. You, yes, you could. Um, but hey, they're, they're beautiful. They're such beautiful, majestic creatures. We actually have a friend. Uh, remember Spicy Kristen? She actually went to... Um, Ecuador? I, I, was it, or was it when she was in Belize? Or did, I think it was she swam a Latin with American whale, yeah, country. She, she swam with whale sharks and got some great pictures and stuff of them. Uh, it was and during videos. the whale shark migration. And, I mean, they're just absolutely beautiful. Like, their coloring is gorgeous. They have these spots on the back, which is so... Spots and uh, lines. Right, which is so, like, untypical of, of sharks to have that kind of markings and colorings. Untypical. Untypical. Atypical? You just like making up words. I am smart. <laughs> S-M-R-T. Um, well, but not only that, you know, they're, they're filter feeders. Mm -hmm. So they have baleen like humpback whales and some of the other... <laughs> Similar. It, it's, it's, it's similar. Not, it's, it's different. It's not baleen, but it's it's similar. It's, it's a, a filter. So they, they feed off of plankton and smaller fish. Their uh, uh, baleen is in the front right. of a mouth. It's, it's, I would say like it's similar. Let me see if I could find like so exactly the way the way like the larger whales will eat like you know humpbacks and stuff is they will take huge gulps of whatever's in the uh, whatever's around them. They'll take huge gulps of water, and then they will kind of like spit the water out through their filter. Whale sharks will just swim with their mouth open, and uh, everything filters to the back of their throat, and that's where their filters are. Uh, whale sharks and basking sharks are the uh, the other primary. You know, when when you think of filter feeding sharks, uh, it's whale sharks and basking sharks because it's funny they're the biggest ones, but they're the ones that like don't attack anyone because right they pose absolutely no threat to humans or most sea life to as be honest as, with you as far as like eating someone like they can accidentally swallow something you know you know it's, so it's not like no threat well i mean well and that's kind of like the story but that the odds are, are the odds are low but never zero well that's like the story that came out i want to say was it a month it was ago a couple weeks ago of yeah. the man who was uh Accidentally swallowed by a humpback whale? Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think he's some sort of like a lobster trapper or something, but he was he was 
in the water for some reason and yeah he was swallowed by a humpback whale and you know what they do is he could feel like he was only in there for 30 seconds to a minute yeah yeah like not however long long it took the whale to get back up to the surface and he thought that um you know he thought obviously he thought he was gonna die but you know Mm. that's it's probably a very traumatic experience to be swallowed by a whale, but mm. the there's humpback, a Bible story about that. The humpback whale can feel with its tongue that something is in there that's not supposed to be in there. So mm-hmm. he actually thought he was going to get crushed to death by the humpback whale's tongue, and obviously the whale realized that there was a uh, foreign particle in there that should not be in there, and spit the guy out. Yeah, because they they don't want to choke like they're smart enough like like certain sharks. Right, like well, and that's the thing. It's like they're not built to. I mean, obviously they can't chew. No, they don't have teeth. You know, so they, they, they just they, swallow. Have, they have no way of masticating. So what happens is, you know, they they swallow everything, and their digestive system cannot handle something that large. Well, their throat as well. Right. Like, well, say, well, it's yeah, very your cautious. throat is part of your digestive system. Right. Like they're they're they're. They're cautious, and it wasn't like, "Oh, I know this is a human. Let me spit him out." It was, "Whatever this is, this is too is big. way too big. Yeah, way too big for me to be able to process." And there, are, and there are, uh, there are species of sharks that will, um, if they eat something that is no good for them. Like I know we see, you know, tiger sharks can eat literally anything. Uh, what they will do is they will kind of like how frogs do it. They will almost like regurgitate their stomach. Like, frogs are able to do this, and then, like, they use their little frog arms to, like, clear off whatever is in there. Sharks just kind of, like, turn their stomach inside out and kind of, like, barf it back out into the what? sea. Yeah, so if, like, a mako shark were to eat license plates, you know, he would barf them back out. Even a you know, tiger shark, you know, like we see in Jaws, he would uh, he would spit it back out because that's not something that you're going to digest. And, you know... It's something that's going to cause problems for the shark, and so they just huck it back out. Plus, whale sharks look like they're always happy. Look at that whale shark right yeah, now. Yeah, he's got a big happy right? face. Right? He looks like he's smiling. He looks like he's happy. A happy little whale shark. Yeah, he just swims, whale with, shark his, swims <laughs> with his mouth open. Yeah, they're like, what, 40, 50 feet, probably 25 tons. Like, they're... Yeah, they're they're, they're, they're huge. Big. So it says the largest confirmed individual had a length of eighteen point eight meters or sixty two feet. Yeah, that's not typical for them, but and like they can grow to be. What's the, what's the weight on them? I'm looking. They have oh, they have an estimated lifespan of eighty to a hundred and thirty years. That sounds about right. That is crazy. Well, it's, it's also they don't they don't have any predators because they're too big. You know, like there are certain like right. uh, blue whales really don't have any I mean, predators. Like, all they really do is just kind of. It's almost like the whale version of the lazy river. They just kind of yeah. They just cruise the jet around. stream. Yeah. Uh, what else you got? Or do you so, want me to go? You want to take turns? Well, I'm trying to see if it... So it gives me the... I can find the length. I found the age. I'm looking to see if they can find a, if I can find a weight on these before uh, we wrap them. They're found in water below 21 degrees Celsius or 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Or rarely found in water. Below. Yeah, like they, I was going to say, yeah, they like the jet they're, stream. They're tropical base. I can't 
fine. Give me, give me some weights. Well, here I'll I'll go next because oh, they have over three hundred rows of tiny teeth and twenty filter pads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so like they can keep stuff from getting out. Yeah, it's it's weird the way their teeth work. Oh wait, size. Okay, come on, give me a weight. How much is this baby weigh? I can't find a weight. Yeah, that's okay. I'll, I'll I'll go next then. Uh, so for me, my favorite shark is the short fin mako. Um, it's also known as the blue pointer or bonito shark. It's a uh, large mackerel shark. Um, the short fin mako reaches a size of four meters, so about fifteen feet, twelve to fifteen feet. Like they're not um, they're not huge, but you know, still they're. Big enough, and there is a Jaws ripoff named after them. Uh, they can go to be about 300 pounds. They are uh, built like torpedoes, uh, and they're super fast. Um, they're one of the fastest fish on the planet. Like, they can rival, you know, uh, like marlins or sailfish. They can go 45 miles an hour. Some have been clocked at 60, which is nuts. Uh, they're very powerful. Like they don't have uh, like a long body. Like they're kind of compact because there's a lot of muscle between their uh, dorsal fin and their tail, so they can move that back and forth really quickly, and that's how it propels them forward. Um, I really like them because I think they look cool. Um, they have very big eyes. And their little uh, little noses, but yeah, I have a, a a short fin mako is what's on my um on my uh, desktop. Like there was a uh, there was a research crew, and they were trying to outrun one of them just to see, like, kind of try and clock it. And they were trying to outrun it, and they couldn't. Like they had a a, a bait, like a um, you know, like when they have like the camera bait, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it's like, you know, something to attract the shark, you know, around a camera so they can see the thing coming at it. Um, they they tried to outrun it and like the engine was smoking and they couldn't outrun the they couldn't outrun the shark. And they were doing, uh, I think, 50, 45, 50. So around the top speed of the Mako. So that's that's one of my favorites. So, you know, they're again, four meters. So you're looking on what is uh Four meters is 13 feet. So that gives you an idea of how lightweight they are. 13 feet long, only 300 pounds. Like, you know, compare that to, say, Taco Fall of the Boston Celtics, who is seven foot five and weighs about 300 pounds. Just to give you an idea. You know, I weigh almost 300 pounds, and I'm not 13 feet long. So not quite. No. <laughs> so just to give you an idea of how light uh like these things are built for speed. Like that's all they're built for is like they they catch mackerel and tuna because that's what they can catch. You know, not every not every shark can do that. So uh what do you got next? So my second favorite shark is the goblin shark. Oh, I love those. Yeah. So these are kind of cool creatures because they live in the deep sea. So it is actually pretty rare to find one. 
because they dwell so far down in the depth like they're and it's hard dark to see them de- there's right, no say, there's like no the, natural light the dark depths of the of the ocean and these are some ugly looking motherfuckers yeah, once you but they hit, are so cool once you hit 400 feet like there's no more sunlight so it is actually called a living fossil mm-hmm. because it is a uh represent representative of a lineage that is like 125 million years old yep you know which is crazy and they believe that not much evolution has like they haven't evolved much no they these are um these are some really weird looking like they have a very distinct look it's almost like they're wearing a hat yeah, and the way that their their jaw extends out when it's hunting and, and trying Think to catch prey, it's like a um, if you've ever seen an octopus like reach its arms out and envelop something, that's how this jaw works. Like, it's so it's cool. It's super cool. Yeah, so it's it's difficult. Uh, Fine. There's not a lot of pictures out there because, again, like it's not something that is um, readily, pho- seen, yeah, 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 you know, readily photographed and and stuff. You know, unlike some of these other sharks. But the goblin shark is really, really cool. I mean, a for the fact that you know it has this very distinct prehistoric like look to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it's looks sci-fi. Only, well, exactly. It looks like this uh, a creature that was made up. You know, it looks like something that you would see in. A creature feature. Yeah. Like, it's got the... It, in addition to those that weird jaw, it has this strange flat protrusion that sticks out past... Like, instead of... Like, for most sharks, they have, like, the long pointed snout. And in this case, it's like the snout is on top of his head. It's like he's got a, a, a like a hat with a long mm-hmm. brim on it. It's really weird looking. And, you know, like a lot of species of... Uh, animals dwelling in little to no light areas the goblin shark is pretty much translucent yeah you can't tell from pictures because everything around it is dark there's no light to kind of bounce off it right but it has like a a a semi-translucent skin Mm -hmm. to it which kind of gives it this ghost-like i think that's why they call it a goblin shark because it has this this just creature like like. almost like an albinism like you would get from something because there's no there's no reason for it to have pigment because there's no light right right there's you know no reason to to protect it against you know they're not big though they're not that big what do you got what do you got for Uh, a size let me see so size wise um like six feet 150 pounds something like that let me go back up because we were looking at yeah we got pretty far down on that one yeah so, yeah, yeah like they're, for it. they're okay. So adult sharks usually measure between three and four meters. So between nine point eight and thirteen point one feet long. Oh, so that's a little bigger than I thought. Uh, females, however, are bigger. So females can be eighteen to twenty feet long. Wow. That's way bigger so than I'm thinking. The, they were smaller. Um, the maximum weight recorded is 210 kilograms or 460 pounds. Again, very for a shark that of uh, 3.8 meters or 12 and a half feet in length. Again, like super lightweight build for something that 
that size, like 300, 400 pounds. Right, and well, they, and their body is really uh, blubbery too. Yeah, it, it's it has to be to it, like like uh, I'm trying to. Think, it's almost like bulbous, like it's uh, flabby. Yeah, it's <laughs> a, it's a, a word, again, it's, it's flabby, a weird but looking again, fish. It's, uh, it's almost like it has like you know blubber deposits because you know. Again, not only with the lack of light, but as there's you get no heat. right, as you because get lower, because there's no light, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, there's uh, the the temperature as you get you know deeper into the ocean, the temperature starts dropping until you hit the thermocline, and then it gets hotter again, which is so weird. But that's like twenty thousand feet. What's crazy to me is just kind of like a sidestep. What's crazy to me is the fact that we know more about outer space and we know more about other galaxies that we're not even part of than we do about our own ocean on our own planet. We've explored 5% of the ocean on our planet. And it's which... because of, A, just, you know, our technology isn't quite there yet. There's a lot of pressure the yeah. deeper you go into the ocean and... The pressure just crushes equipment. It's literally the weight of all the water above you. Like, scientists have theorized that there is a planet, uh, what they call uh, Ice 7. It's a planet that is nothing but water, but as you get closer and closer to the core of the planet, because it all of the weight of the water is on top of it, the molecules get bunched together so tightly that they become a solid. Like, not like regular ice that's frozen uh, where the molecular activity stops it's everything is packed so tightly together that the molecules have nowhere to go because of all the weight so like the further you go so it's hard to have something that has any um, observational ability which is why if you watch the abyss that science is very very uh, uh, accurate uh, the only way that they could send Ed, Ed Harris down is to fill up his suit with that breathable liquid, which is a real thing that exists. Um, because if there was any air in there, the uh, his suit would crack because it couldn't take that pressure. But if it's filled with fluid, it's a lot easier. So, like, the deeper down you go, any air is just going to get crushed because it can't support the weight of the water. Mm -hmm. But if it's all liquid around it, it can adjust to the pressure easier. I still think that there's, you know, limits to that as well. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. I just think it's fascinating, you know, the unknown. What is actually down there? Is there anything down there? I'm sure you there know, is. Are there, you know, other prehistoric unevolved creatures well, i mean that's the whole that's the whole premise of uh the meg is that there was stuff living below the thermocline which you know i mean the meg uh, it, yes the story got a little convoluted and well, i'm know, talking the, the books scene, of oh, the oh, meg the, not, not not the film because the books were way different on how but i was they... gonna say like the uh the science behind the film though uh you know there there was something to it Long story yeah. short, there was there was something to it, and you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, in all honesty, I wouldn't be surprised if there were, you know, if megalodons were still around, they or were some just, sort of or, large, or, right, or some sort of, or, of like large prehistoric beings, 
you know like that's what the second meg story is about it's all about uh i think they have chronosauruses in which are like uh like large crocodile like things with like flippers instead of like because they spent all their time in the water so there was no need for them to go up on land so they didn't have like you know the amphibian legs that crocodiles have they just had flippers think the uh the thing from jurassic world that came Mm -hmm. out and ate the shark that think that um but so along those lines um so my number two shark is uh, i'm gonna go with the greenland shark because this one there are greenland sharks alive today that were alive when columbus was sailing to the new world these things live five to six hundred years because they have no natural predators they can grow up to 23 feet long uh 800 pounds which again doesn't seem like a lot to me like it just it seems so weird it seems so light maybe it's just they're not as dense because sharks do if you were to look at a cross-section of a shark like you know their stomachs are or in there and their organs are are well, they don't have bones. Like, that's another thing. Like, they don't have bones. Like, that's what makes birds so light. Like, birds only ha- birds have uh, hollow bones, which mm-hmm. is why if a bird ever, you know, crashes into a window, it usually dies because all its bones shatter. Um, sharks don't have bones aside from their teeth. Like, everything is cartilage, which is why you can never find uh, skeletal remains of sharks. So, the Greenland shark they're pretty much always blind because there's a parasite that eats its eye and like just kind of hangs off its eye and, and blinds it. Um, n- they're not endangered because they don't taste good. Like apparently they taste like urine. So like no matter how you cook them, you can't. So like, you know, the, the uh, you know, indigenous people that discovered these sharks, you know, thousands of years ago, you know, because they live under the ice packs in Greenland. Like, they'll eat polar bears, and polar bears will eat them, you know, back and forth. And they'll eat seals because they are big enough to do so. But they kind of have to, like, bump into something almost, you know, and use their uh, ampullae of Lorenzini, which is their electrical receptors, to, uh, to detect their prey because they can't see it. But, like, you know, they, you know, people learned fairly quickly, it's like... Yeah, let's eat this. Nope, let's not. Let's not ever catch one of these again. They're gross. Um, I mean, I imagine they'd use them if they're, like, hunting a polar bear. Like, they could use it as bait. But, uh, yeah, that's my that's my uh, my number two. Who's your number three? Well, I didn't know we were doing three. Um, well, you don't have to do three if you... Well, I mean, I guess I'm, I have to go with Great White. Yeah. Great whites are iconic. Like when you think of a shark, you think of a great white just because that's kind of what's been ingrained in in our brains. When a shark is on TV, you know, when the shark like in Jaws or, you know, in a in a film of of that nature, you know, like the um Sharktopus film or the Sharknado, those are all great whites just spinning around. Great whites and hammerheads. You know. Because those are uh, easy to find pictures right but that's the thing like though those are the two most recognizable types of sharks you know watching uh street sharks yeah there was a great white there was a bull shark you know like it's it's just it's it's the and a mako most common 
Like when you think of a shark, you think of a great white. So well, it's like when people think of dinosaurs, they think of T Rex. Like that's the first one because like that's like the apex, or at least you know that's what we always were taught. Because I mean, great whites. Like the biggest one on record is like twenty five feet, like deep blue, and she's supposed to be like seventy years old. Great whites have this appeal because they are bigger. Like, you know, they can reach around 20 feet if you're a female, around 13 feet if you're a male. Weigh several tons. So this isn't like, you know, any of the other sharks we're talking about where it's like, oh, he's 13 feet and he weighs 800 pounds. It's like, no, this shark is 13 feet long and weighs a ton. Yeah. You know, and... Well, I mean, they really don't have anything preying on them. They have no predators. Uh, other than... And this has been uh, this has been uh, seen. This behavior has been seen. Uh, talking about dolphins? No, I'm talking about the uh, the orcas. Yes, that would go and show off for the San Francisco ferries, where they would uh, catch a great white and put it into what's called tonic immobility, which is when the shark gets flipped over. Once the shark gets flipped over, it loses like all sense of direction and just goes limp. And they hold it in place and they drag it backwards, which will kill it because it pretty much drowns the shark. Yeah, they're the only ones that really can do that um, because they're bigger. You know, orcas you know six tons, thirty feet long, and they work in packs. They're smart, so like. They're the real apex predators of the ocean. Like, you know, as much as everyone's like, oh, sharks, sharks. But orcas don't, there's no uh, record of an orca killing someone in, in, in the wild. They've only killed people in captivity, which is why we shouldn't have them in captivity. But that's, you know, neither here nor there. But yeah, great whites are probably the most recognizable. And again, it's because of movies like Jaws that we're going to talk about. Uh, I also want to give an honorable mention to bull sharks, which I'm going to touch on in a few minutes uh, once we come back from break, because there's a huge misconception about the uh, story of Jaws and what stemmed from it, uh, or where it stemmed from, and a couple of the uh, couple of the misconceptions I would like to clear up. So, uh, do you have anything else you want to say about your favorite sharks before we take a quick break? Sharks. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, and when we come back, we are going to be delving more into Jaws, the, the, the book, the movie, the differences, and the one, the one problem I have with this movie. And it is a glaring issue. But there is a reason behind it. So we'll be, uh, we'll be right back after these brief messages. <laughs> Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, Get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, <coughs> it's scary. No. 
Hey everybody, this is Mitch Hallett, creator of Terrificon, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con, telling you that we're back this July 30th to August 1st at the Mohegan Sun Expo Center in Uncasville, Connecticut. But why should you listen to me? Just sit back and listen to my good friend, Larry Kenny, star of Thundercats, a.k.a. Lino, tell you all about this year's show. Take it away, Larry. Welcome back to Mitch Halleck's Terrificon, Connecticut's Terrific Comic Con here at Mohegan Sun. We hope you have a great time at Terrificon, the home of the largest gathering of comic book creators in New England. From the Avengers to the X-Men, Captain America to Batman. Meet your favorite artists and writers who brought your heroes to life at Terrificon. And don't forget to stop by and see the stars of terrific movies, TV shows, and animation at Terrificon. Get an autograph, grab a selfie or professional photo op with your favorite actors. Still want more? Well, you can shop for comics, artwork, toys, games, and cool stuff in our dealer room. You'll find it all at Terrificon. Thank you once again for coming to see us here at Mohegan Sun. And remember, fans, there might be a lot of Comic-Cons out there, but there's only one Terrificon. It's terrific. for far too long shark bites uh so it's a combination of the jaws theme um the, the baby shark song and uh, rocking the boat by ice nine kills that's the very end there uh which if you haven't heard that song it's awesome uh, it's about jaws and jaws stuff so jaws check it out related things yeah so we're talking today about jaws and we're going to touch obviously both on the film from 1975 and the novel that inspired the film. I'm primarily talking about Bruce. Hello, <laughs> my name is Bruce. Hello, uh, Bruce. Bruce the shark. Well, there's multiple mechanical sharks, but anytime you see the shark in the movie, it's just always supposed to be one singular Bruce. Um, and fun fact, so the shark was named Bruce by cast and crew members. Bruce was actually Spielberg's lawyer. Right, that's where I was yeah. I was going to say like and, everybody and, knows that and one. Yeah. Like fan it kind of caught on with fans as like an inside joke between uh, yeah. diehard Jaws fans and now everyone just knows him as Bruce. I'm in a Jaws group on Facebook and people are always just that's what people call him. It's it's Bruce. Um cuz a shark obviously is never given a name in in the film. So Jaws is loosely based on, uh, and there's a, a film about this. It's called 12 Days of Terror. Uh, it's about a series of shark attacks that occurred in 1916 on the Jersey Shore. Now, originally, and we hear the same phrase in Jaws, this is supposedly the work of a rogue shark. Rogue shark, and you, I don't know, you can, I was doing the air bunnies. Uh, Rogue sharks do not exist. There is no such thing. You will. It's not like a rogue elephant. Uh, you will not see one single shark 
running around just eating people is left it, and right. Are you, are you in the water? That's the shark's house. You're in the shark's house. You come to my house dressed like that, I'm going to eat you too. Yeah, if a bucket of fried chicken skateboarded across my living room, I'd be like, fried chicken for dinner, you know? <laughs> um, and more for me because you're a uh, veggie mm-hmm. So what actually happened was it was a series of shark attacks, obviously, but from what people what research you know was done since then you know after the mass hysteria happened um based on where it happened when it happened uh eyewitness support reports um not only at the jersey shore but several miles up river where people were attacked that it wasn't even a great white it was a series of bull sharks because bull sharks uh, possess the ability to kind of recycle salt water throughout their system, and they can swim indefinitely in fresh water, which is why a bull shark is the uh, main protagonist of the amazing game Maneater. And if you haven't played it, you should. It's awesome. You get to play as a shark, and you get revenge. That's all you do is swim around, get in revenge. Um, and... The, the reason why um, some of these attacks, uh, the, the reports of the attacks led people to believe that it was a, uh, a series of bull sharks is that a lot of the attacks uh, occurred close to shore. Great whites don't do that, uh, but bull sharks do. Bull sharks uh, rely, in, rely on um, kind of like ambushing their prey, like a lot of people who are attacked by bull sharks are attacked in like knee deep water. Uh, whereas, uh, and bull sharks are the most aggressive shark, like just hundred percent most aggressive shark. Like they will go after anything. They don't give a shit. Like, uh, and they're not the biggest, they're not the baddest, but they are the most aggressive sharks. Um, the, uh, the great white, on the other hand, is an ambush predator, which is why you see all these like amazing videos of sharks breaching. Mm. The reason why is they come up from the bottom and they use their their snout like a battering ram and they hammer into whatever they what they're they're hunting. You know, be it a seal or you know somebody on a surfboard in a wetsuit, and that's why they're ambush predators. Well, they could chase you down and catch you because they're almost as fast as mako's. But that's their that's their attack style to attack from below where they can't see you. It's funny that you mentioned that because there was actually uh, the original death scene of Alex Kittner was a lot more gruesome than the one that we saw, and it was just that the shark coming from underneath him. Yes. Uh, to attack him. And they had a barrel full of fake blood that would explode from underneath but of them. But apparently it was, quote, too gruesome. I would love to see that. Well, I mean, there are the, the still photos. Right. You can see the photos and stuff. And that's but, with a dummy. Because we did, you know, I did get a chance to talk to Jeffrey Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he was talking about the different ways that they were trying to shoot the death scene. And it took him multiple tries to get it right. But... He was a kid who had never acted before, and they just liked his look, so they used him. Um, So the bull sharks actually, uh, at the same time all these attacks were going on, like the same 12-day period, there were a bunch of kids 
and young adults swimming in uh, a river. And an eight-year-old got taken, and somebody tried, I think he was like 22, tried to go and, and help the kid. He got eaten too. Uh, they caught a couple of sharks, you know, and one shark was found with body parts in him. But they don't know if it was, I think it was It was a different type of shark, though. It wasn't, it was like a, a I want to say it was a tiger or, a, um, or maybe like a, a, I don't know, some, it was another type of shark, maybe a blue shark, but like, blue sharks are not, yeah, I forget which, I think it might be blue sharks. They eat by turning themselves upside down, which is weird. Like, they'll spin around and eat stuff from, it's weird. Um, it's neither here nor there, but like the, the, the shark that they found wasn't, isn't typically a man eating shark because it's just, that's just not its reputation. Uh, but based on all these accounts that they were, they were, uh, a series of bull sharks, but that's not, you know, cool enough. That's not, you know, movie material. So if you go with a shark, that's this is my territory now and I'm just going to keep coming here. You know, even the, the line that Hooper has, you know, like he's just going to keep coming back until there's no food. Yeah. This, this shark with a vendetta. Well, and you know, as you watch the sequels, like, you know, cause we, we talked about this or I talked about this on, on shock treatment a couple of weeks ago. Um, do you consider Jaws a horror franchise? And I absolutely do because there's like this supernatural connection to the Brodies that you see through the first two movies. So if you read, uh, there's the, the first book and then they did novelizations of the films. The second shark was, uh, had encountered the first shark and the first shark mated with the second shark. And that shark had babies, and that was the fourth shark. Third doesn't count. It's non-canonical. It's kind of like how Halloween 3 is technically a Halloween sequel, but it's not. You know, when the next movie was Halloween 4, and it just kind of picked up with Michael Myers and everything. So Jaws 3, 3D, doesn't count as a sequel because it's almost like a fan film. It's almost like, oh, we're calling this Jaws 3D. It just happens to be the third film in the series. Like, if it had been the fourth film in the series, I'm confident it still would have been called Jaws 3D because they wanted to just make a 3D Jaws movie. I, don't, I just think the three is coincidental if you, watched, if you watched the films. But I definitely consider... Do you consider it a horror movie? But Jaws, a horror film? Yeah, and the whole franchise. Well, yeah, absolutely. Especially Jaws, because it kind of kicked off this whole, like, uh, creatures as villains. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, like, creatures, like the creature from the Black Lagoon. Like, right. Like, animals. Animals as villains. Right. And there have been, uh, according to IMDb, there's 135 Jaws ripoffs. Some of these I didn't you even know, think You know, I mean, about. we're looking at, like, Orca and Lake Placid and uh, Anaconda and all of these Piranha, films, right? Gator. All of these films where you know the the animals are are almost you know 
They're supernatural because right, they're, almost like weaponized in a sense. Well, and what does you know, Quint they have say? a vendetta and and they they attack people. We, we know that you know animals do attack people. Like that's not uncommon behavior, but. The way that it happens in these films are just so fantastic. It's personal, it's ridic- right? Yeah, it's like you know, this time it's personal. Well, well why? What did you know? What did these people ever do to you? <laughs> these animals don't require the intelligence, uh, or don't uh, are not capable of the intelligence. Well, and not only to form that, grudges. like these animals are abnormally large. Yes, that's and, what and I was going to bring you up. You know, uh, with in. The case with Bruce from Jaws, he is a 25-foot, three-ton great white male. Now, that would be a little more believable if it was female, but males only get to like 16 to 18 feet long. Yeah, they're lucky And they if definitely they get don't that weigh big. that much. No, but females do. But, well, yeah, exactly. Females can. So the fact that it's a male... Shark, and even then, like females, you usually get to about maybe twenty feet, but it's not uncommon. Like it does well, happen. It's you know? uncommon. Like deep blue is twenty-five feet. Right. But she's also like seventy years old. You know. So you know the fact that it's a male shark. It's you know, almost. 10 feet longer than the average male great white and exceedingly heavier than the average male, you know, great white. Uh, Fifty. 50. She's 50, but they have a life expectancy of 70. You know, and you look at some of these other, these animals are the villains uh, films, you know, like look at Lake Placid. That crocodile, alligator, whatever the hell he was, Croc. crocodile, Croc. was huge. It was about 30 feet. Huge. Like, that doesn't happen in real I mean, like, it can happen, but that doesn't usually happen, you know? Like, they Anaconda. Pushed. Those snakes were ginormous. Like, like, that doesn't it was like happen. A ti- it was like Titanoboa, but before they found Titanoboa. Right. You know, like, it, it's just... It, They're it exaggerated it, versions exactly, of what... Exactly. It doesn't make sense. However... It gets the job done because it's so, like, what is scarier than, you know, a, a large predatory animal? Oh, he's he's average size, quick run, you know, like. Right, no, like, that wouldn't, that wouldn't cut it. And so, to me, like, Jaws is absolutely a horror film because it kind of kicked off this whole genre of, you know, animals as villains. And it's funny Go ahead, go ahead. I would say, and it made pe- people were afraid to get, like, I know people who are deathly afraid of sharks because of this film. And won't swim in pools. <laughs> Your you <know>? brother. <laughs> Lakes, like, it's weird. Um, and it's something I, I thought of, I thought of this the other day, and it's so weird that I thought of this, because I had never thought of it in my entire life. So, obviously, Jaws comes out 1975, right? Yes. And immediately, because it's so um, so successful, you know, it's, you know, the first summer blockbuster, um, everybody tries to copy it. And the biggest culprit, and you know, we mentioned this in the first segment, Orca the Killer Whale. That came out in 1977. Obviously, you know, it's like, okay... What's the only thing that could defeat a great white? Well, bigger great white. No, uh, an orca. And have you ever seen orca? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right. So the premise is these uh, these whale hunters capture a killer whale who happens to be pregnant, gives birth, and they kind of like 
just take a hose and like swish it off the off the deck and the mother dies and the male stalks them forever like just keeps stalking them and eventually kills them and it's got the guy who played uh the chief in one flew over the cuckoo's nest as like the main the main antagonist like the the main guy that the orca is after um then Jaws 2 comes out in 1978, and what did they do at the beginning of the film in order to show how badass this new fish was? Well, Adam kill an orca, took a huge bite out of the side of its face, and, you know, Brody's like, I'm telling you, this is a shark bite, you know, like, what's going on? And the, the uh, marine biologist is like, no, 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 there's another orca. There's no way this was a shark. And he's like, I'm telling you, I just dealt with this like two years ago. Ask the mayor. He was still the mayor then. I don't know why he's still mayor now, but, you know, go check, you know. And, of course, nobody believed him. But, like, that to me, having the shark take a huge bite out of the orca's face, that to me was a little like, go fuck yourself, orca. But you're right, like, this spawned, you know, like, all these early 80s, you know, Alligator, Alligator 2, you know, like, about, you know, the uh, playing on the, you know, people would get alligators as pets, and then they were they would start to get too big, so they'd get flushed down the toilet. It's like, how big is something getting that you're like, whoa, this is too big for me, but it's still fitting down the toilet? You know, that doesn't happen. Um, you know, or people were, like, throwing them in the sewers. And there have been... Stories. There was a crocodile named Gustav. Crocodile or alligator? I don't know. But that killed over 300 people. You know, and uh, some of these stories would get, you know, exaggerated a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, the the fact that you would have these, these I mean, creatures. Was he, was he pissed? His name is Gustav? Well, that's what they called him afterwards. I don't, I don't know why they <laughs> called him Gustav. Let's... <laughs> It's like when they name, uh, you know, hurricanes. Like this is the most devastating storm we've ever heard, we've ever seen. It's Hurricane Opal. Opal, run for your lives! It's Opal. <laughs> like, it's like name it like you know. This is Hurricane Murder Wind. Like, <laughs> that's something you because know, you feel like, oh well, if it was dangerous, they'd call it something dangerous. It's like, oh, it's Opal. Like, that's so dumb. So dumb. Like, I hate when they name storms something weak like that. Because we know how stupid people are. And it's like, oh, oh, all my friends in Florida, they all lost their homes and everything they owned, and they died. Well, why? Because they weren't afraid of Hurricane Opal. You know, call it Hurricane Mittens. That'll get everybody out of there. Like, oh, Mittens. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Sure. The shark we get to see in the first film, you know, again, 25 feet, three tons, doing things that they've never seen sharks do. Especially Quint, who all he does is hunt sharks because he doesn't like sharks because he was on the USS Indianapolis June the 29th, 1945, uh, which was also um, the same day Alex Kittner died. Mm-hmm. Um, on the same day we recorded that shock treatment episode, just happened to be all coincidence. So, the uh, the whole thing with the sharks and Quint, Quint in the book is kind of like an analog to uh, Captain Ahab, where the white whale represents his obsession. Call me Ishmael. Um, 
he after what he went through in the USS Indianapolis speech is one of the greatest speeches, greatest monologues in the history of cinema. Uh, there are very few people who are going to disagree with that because, you know, they're having a good time and they're, they're, they're joking and laughing, having the, you know, comparing scars and, you know, and then all of a sudden like just tone shifts and Robert Shaw just delivers this incredible monologue uh, which is a true story, and there's actually a, a movie called Indianapolis starring Nicolas Cage, Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage, um, about that very event. And, you know, if you're not familiar, you maybe you haven't seen Jaws or you're not familiar with the incident of the USS Indianapolis, uh, the literally the ship that was delivering the the first atomic bomb was sunk, and it went down really quickly. And they were just, uh, I think it was 1,138 men that were in the water. And sharks took all but 328 of them. So like 800 guys were killed by sharks uh, over a period of, call it four or five days. You know, and again, when there's sharks there, you know, they just there were guys who would uh, kill themselves by drinking seawater. Mm-hmm. Because it was that or get killed by a shark, which is, again, there's something, and this was brought up, there's a line in um, Jurassic Park, the book, about this, and it always stuck with me, and I read this when I was 12, so it's been a while. Um, you know, there's something sinister about an animal that would not only kill you, but eat you, and Tim was thinking about this while they were about to be eaten in a kitchen. And that just kind of heightened his awareness that he was facing down a creature that wanted to eat him and he was in a kitchen. It just felt weird to him. But there is something more sinister about a creature that will eat you. So um, Quint, his whole thing, and in the book he dies exactly the way Captain Ahab dies. Uh, he stabs a shark with a harpoon, but the rope gets tangled around him and he gets pulled to his death and uh, pulled to his death and drowns. You know, just tied up, you know, because he couldn't let go of his obsession. Um, Hooper dies. Shark wrecks the cage, just like in, in the film. And Brody has a chance to help him, but is like, yeah, he thinks, he's thinking to himself, you know, this guy's been banging my wife the entire time he's been in town. So, uh, oh, he got eaten by the shark. I don't know oh, what happened. No. Oh. So sad. Oh, Hooper. Uh, oh, man. Wah, wah. Oh, Hooper. He was my friend. Oh. Wah. And uh, spoiler warning if you haven't read the book, but it's, you know. Not really a spoiler because, you know, gonna you know save, the shark dies save at the you end. a lot of heartache. <laughs> so the end of the book, the, the orca has sunk. And, and I've told the story a hundred times. So if you've heard this before, you know. I'm sorry if you've listened to me talk about sharks and jaws on any other podcast. I've told the story, but uh, Brody's kind of holding on to this uh, seat cushion, which he was told earlier in the book that if he was an eight-year-old boy, it would support his weight and help him so he uh, didn't drown. Like he could use it as a uh, flotation, know, flotation device. device. I was gonna say life preserver, and I knew that was the wrong word, but thank you. Um, he. Looks at the shark. Sharks coming. Sharks coming. Sharks coming. Brody closes his eyes, screams, and the shark dies of exhaustion, just like ten feet away. 
and sinks. Because sharks don't have swim bladders like a uh, fish does, so they can't kind of like hover. They also can't go backwards, which is an issue I have with the shark in the film. But he just kind of sinks. And so Brody like ducks his head under the water and just to make sure it's not like going to come back after him. And he sees, you know, Quint's lifeless eyes as the shark kind of like spirals down towards the bottom. Um, you know, because Quint is still tied to him, being dragged around dead. Um, but yeah, he just sinks to the bottom and dies, dies of exhaustion. And I think the last lines are Brody shook his head, cleared his eyes and kicked for sure. And that's how the the book ended. Wow. Yeah. Very Great. anticlimactic. But, um, it's, the shark has a little, like we get to see from the shark's point of view in some of the chapters. It's really weird. But it's kind of cool. Like, the book's not terribly well-written, but it tells a good story. I am glad that Spielberg took some of the liberties that he did take with uh, the source material. Um, and then, obviously, we see Jaws 2. You know, it takes place a few years later. And Jaws is just terrorizing teenagers, kind of to draw Brody out into the open. Like, the opening of the film. And this is... Another, you know, typical monster type movie, you know, if we're if we're going to, you know, classify it as such. Hey, look, we have some evidence because there were people who were diving to the wreck of the Orca, which is sunk off the coast of Martha's Vineyard. Like and people have been stealing parts from it forever. Um, and the shark came and attacked them. And one of them was able to take a picture and Brody's like, look at this. This is a shark. And they're like, I don't know. It could be some seaweed. It could be this. And it's like, it's like, I'm telling you, this is a f like, we're going to go through all of this shit again. Like, this is a shark. You guys were here a few years ago. Don't you remember what happened? Like, nah, you're crazy. It's like, I get why they did it the first time. And they're like, well, we don't want to ruin tourism. And in the book, Larry Vaughn, the mayor had some sort of, like weird backdoor deal that he was doing with the mafia when it comes to like real estate and he was skimming off the top. It's all. Oh, yeah. I'm glad they cut that from the movie, but that's why he was so adamant about keeping the beaches open and making sure that the tourists would come and they would get the money. Um, but for them to go through it again, a few years later, you know, Jaws eats a helicopter. Um, you know, he eats a bunch of teenagers. He takes, uh, he does end up uh, getting killed because Brody and the shark is roughly the same size. Like the the uh, the quality of the animatronic wasn't the best, but the shark comes and Brody lures it with a uh, an electrical cable, a buried electrical cable, and we know that uh, especially at the Cape, like there's a transatlantic cable that was laid from I think France. All the way across the ocean? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so you could have, uh, I think this, and this is like 50, 60 years ago, they laid the cable all the way across the ocean in order to uh, facilitate like phone lines and electric and, and whatnot so people could call other countries, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. Um, but the big thing that I have an issue with in Jaws, uh, Jaws 1, the first movie, is uh, one of the guys we get to see is named Ben Gardner. And he goes missing, 
And Ben Gardner is like really the only rival to Quint. Uh, he's the guy who, uh, when everybody's going out and like throwing dynamite in the water and everything, you know, because there's a $10,000 reward for the shark. He's like, oh, wait till they get to whatever reef. They're going to wish their fathers never met their mothers, you know, and like, you know, when they get all jammed up and caught up on the reef because they don't know the waters and they're just, you know, throwing blood in the water and fish guts trying to, att uh, you know, attract the shark. Um, ben Gardner is the guy who they find headless and the crabs walking out of his mouth and in his eye and shit like that. And the theory goes that Quint killed him because Quint wants to be the one to take down this shark, you know, because all Quint does is kill sharks. Like, that's what he does because of what happened in the Indianapolis. And the thing to me that has the most evidence is when Hooper goes to take the tooth out because the tooth is uh, embedded in, you know, the hole that's in the boat. It's embedded in it point up. And it could not have gotten there unless it was put there. Because if a shark's going to bite into something, the point is going to come down. You're going to see the root of the tooth at the top, not the point. And, you know, of course, you know, Hooper pries it out and then drops it when he sees Ben Gardner's severed head with crabs crawling all over it. Which, that's fair. Like, you know. Now, I know you have some, some information. So what do you have? So... My information is actually regarding the concept and design of the shark itself. So Joe Alves uh, originally designed the concept art for the shark. And he used dehydrated shark specimens from museums and was told to go as big as possible. So he, uh, the, the frames, so he, you know, drew everything out. And then everything was sent over to Martha's Vineyard for final touches in what was termed, quote, Shark City. And then Bob Maddy, who uh, was with two, 20,000 leagues under the sea, was char uh, in charge of building the actual shark itself. So there were three mechanical sharks and apparently a fourth one. I know that there were... Well, so it's, it's, it may or may not be a fourth one. Because we know, and we've learned this from Jeffrey Voorhees, who played Alex Kittner, that part of the reason that the shark didn't work is that the kids would break into the warehouse and jump on it and pull the teeth out and play right. on it. Right. So the, uh, the understanding was that it was the seawater getting into the mechanics and stuff of the shark the hydraulics that was caught yeah, yeah that was causing things to gum up and jam and rust and stuff so you know these sharks had to be they were you know a couple of different sharks in rotation yeah and depending they had to on be, what side you were looking at right and they had to be constantly repaired and that's why the shark is only visible for four minutes out of the entire film yep and the shark smelled fucking terrible I bet. Uh, All that gross seawater just Jeff kind Moore, of. He said you could smell festering. them like from a, literally from a mile away. And they also used, and I'm sure you can tell the difference between when they used the um, mechanical sharks and the. Sh they used 
actual used, great white footage. When uh, Hooper's in the cage and you see the shark flipping around at the top of the cage. And that's another thing that I didn't even remember to bring up. But uh, this, you know, at, at that time, the, the cages were made of a specific type of alloy. And sharks have a very keen, um, like I mentioned uh, in the first segment, they have what's called ampullae of Lorenzini, which is uh, a series of electrical receptors, which is how they're able to uh, detect fish or any movement in the water. Like a person swimming gives off the same uh, electrical uh, impulses as a fish in distress. So that's what they're attracted to. They're attracted to that, and that kind of like kicks in their, their, their... hunting mode and because sharks don't have hands all of their tactile sensation like if they're going to check something out like you and i like oh i wonder what this is and we would reach for it with our hands and pick it up and kind of look at it for a shark that's not an option so they use their mouths that's where all their tactile sensation uh, is located so when these specific cages were in the water they would give off uh, an electrical signal that would really fuck with the shark, and the shark would, like, lose its mind when it got into a specific uh, proximity to it, and the shark would attack the cages. And that led people to think, oh, wow, these things are just super, super aggressive. But as uh, technology advanced and different metals were used and different alloys were used and different coatings on the outside of the cages were used, uh, they noticed that, like, if you watch shark footage now, You'll see sharks just cruising by the cages, like don't even give a shit that there's people in there. They just cruise by, just don't even pay attention because what they're using now doesn't mess with their electrical sensors. The other thing that, you know, this uh, that was debunked was, oh, sharks don't like the taste of people. That's not. It's, it's not technically true. Right. What they do is a shark makes, you know, again, using his mouth as tactile sensation, taking a bite of something to see what it is. So if a shark sees someone, you know, because they don't have super great eyesight. So if they see something that looks like prey, they're going to go and investigate it and they'll take a little test nibble. Problem is that, a you know, 13 foot shark is a lot bigger than a five foot 10 human. And, you know, sharks have this incredibly powerful bite force. So that when they latch down, it's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. And as I'm biting through, I'm realizing that there's not a lot of blubber. Is this like not like biting a seal? Right, right. What they're doing is they're checking for fat content. Right. To see if this meal is worth expending the energy of digesting it. Right. Is the It's risk-reward. Right. It's, I'm going to expend a lot of energy chasing down something. Is it worth eating it like am i gonna have to you know chase something down again in a few hours tomorrow if a if a shark eats a seal because of all the fat and the blubber the fat and the blubber takes so long to break down that it's constantly as it's being digested it's constantly you know giving the shark energy most of the time sharks are just going to kind of cruise along at a low rate only when they're about to chase something is when they speed up because they don't sleep they just swim or they die. Right. Like it's a, it's this common misconception that sharks are these mindless killing and eating machines. And that's not true. Like, again, like what Patrick just said, um, 
depending on what they eat, they can go a week a or month. more. They can go a month. Or say, you know, on without a big seal like a four or five hundred another pound meal. Seal? Yeah. You know, like so they're not always constantly like they're uh, they're, they're not an eating machine. Right. They're they're interesting when it comes to being a predatory animal because they're not constantly hunting for food. And they're also very cautious creatures. Like even um, you know, I've watched documentaries where you know, the, the, the person in question is like, yeah, I'm a shark expert. And if you're in the water and there's like five or six people, even like a 15-foot shark is not going to come near you because sharks are very cautious. They're inquisitive by nature. Like they will come over and they will like, what are you? What What's going on? And they'll kind of like circle around you to see if there's something that they can, you know, maybe try. But if there's five or six people, like, nope. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it poses a threat to me, but I'm not going to find out, and I'm just going to swim on. It's not like, oh, there's five or six of us, and the shark's just going to pick us off one by one. Like, that's not how they operate. So Jaws went a very long way to further a lot of these myths and stereotypes. You know, the rogue Mm -hmm. shark, you know, the 25-foot eating machine that just you know, kills and eats, and, like, that's all it does. Um, You know, put it this way. Seven people a year are killed by sharks, on average. Seven. A hundred million sharks are killed by people every year. I was just going to mention that. You know, this this film is great. It's definitely up there for, I mean, obviously, I know it's one of your favorite films. Yes, it is. Uh, But it's definitely up there as far as, you know, one of my favorite films as well. But it perpetuated these terrible stereotypes to the point where, you know, sharks weren't as readily hunted before this film came out as they were after. And, you know, people decided to take it into their own hands. You know, uh, obviously, you know, the shark there fin are sh- shark hunters out there. The, the shark fin um, uh, uh, market, especially in, like, southern Asia is huge you know, and that's oh i can't watch and that speaking shit. of which eli roth of all people just released a documentary about finn. that called finn and you know completely it's it's something that he's been working on i haven't seen it yet but i definitely want to check it out uh, it's something that he's been working on for uh, several years at this point as just kind of like this understated side project really no one knew that he was working on this until he announced that the that you know the documentary was going to be released this week during shark week so it's only been out for a couple of days but it's all about the shark hunting industry and you know the the cutting of the fins of sharks to make shark fin soup or for trophies or what have you and And shark fin soup apparently is fucking gross because he ate some and he was like it's the most disgusting thing i've ever had you know it's just and it's it's stupid it's senseless it's all of these senseless killings because you know they just take the fin and that's it they leave the rest of the shark but the shark is immobile at that point they cut off the dorsal and the pectoral fit not the pectoral the uh, the two fins on the side they cut those off and just throw the shark back and the shark just sinks to the bottom and and dies drowns like that's that's it it's just it it doesn't make sense like it it's so it's so unnecessary 
like on so many different levels. And, you know, it's, it's one thing if you come from a, uh, like a culture that hunts and eats certain animals, certain things, but you utilize the entire animal. Yeah. You know, like that's a little bit different, you know, uh, versus just hunting these creatures just to hack their fins off. Yeah, it's on Discovery Plus. Throw the rest of it away. Like it, it that just, it, it just senseless, stupid killings. And it's to the point where a lot of species of sharks are endangered. Yeah, like the even though they're super fast, the short fin mako is endangered. And sharks are such an important part of the ecosystem. Like if you've played The Last of Us 2, like there's a whole segment that takes place in an aquarium and if as you're walking around there's like all these displays about sharks and it's all about talking about how sharks are such an important part of the ecosystem because and they mention the same thing uh, cuz Maneater which again features a 30-foot bull shark, which doesn't exist. Um, that whole thing, you know, being narrated by Chris Parnell, like he talks about how sharks clear the ocean of detritus. Like there's a lot of different sharks. Whenever people think of sharks, they think big angry predators. But there's, you know, the epaulette shark, which can walk with its fins onto, onto water. I mean, out of water onto land and shut down all of its uh, organs until only, like, the basest functions uh, are are there until it gets covered with water again. You know, there's the cookie-cutter shark, which acts kind of like a, a, a remora or a lamprey and has a circular mouth and will latch onto the belly of larger animals and just take bites out of them with their circular mouths. There's a cigar shark, which is uh, five inches long. There's, uh, oh shit, there's the, the, what's that, uh, the. I was say there's the, there's the nurse shark that just hugs the f- sea bottom and just kind of cleans up the bottom. Like that's what they do. They're, they're not super predatory. The nurse shark, the webagong is another one or, or also known as the carpet shark. The, uh, salmon shark, which looks like a little, little, like if a great white was a puppy. Oh, the little puppy shark. Yeah, he's a... He's oh, a, it was a puppy shark. He's little. He's only like a... I have a bathtub they can live with. Yeah, right? They're only like a foot long. Like, they're so... Oh, like a foot, you know, foot to 18 inches, but they look like miniature... Like, you know, like a teacup pig, like, version <laughs> of a great white shark. Like, that's what they are. Um, you know, there's, like I said, the cigar shark. There's the mega mouth shark, which was found... You know, like, no one knew it existed until it, like, tried to swallow an anchor on a boat. It's another one of the, the baleen sharks. They're, like, 18 feet long, but they have these huge mouths, which is mm-hmm. they, why it was able to swallow an anchor and how it got its name. Like, there's so many. Like you said, the whale shark, which does nothing to nobody. You well, know, it was the same with the basking shark. Yeah. Basking that, sharks are about it does. 25, 30 feet. They just, just bask yeah, just all day. Yeah, just cruises along the top, uh, the, the surface. You know, like, but every time there's a movie that comes out, it's always a great white. I can't say always. The majority of times it it's a great often white. often than not, yes. And it's of an exaggerated size. 47 meters, 47 meters, two, 47 meters, even 40 year. I don't know. Um, 
But that's why, you know, the great white is, I don't know if it's still on the endangered species list, but it, it's been on and off that list several times. Oh, let's uh, take a look. I, I pulled up uh, endangered sharks. So we have the great white, the scalloped hammerhead, which has uh, like a weird, like curvy, wavy design to the front of its head. The angel shark, the whale shark, the basking shark, the Ganges shark, the gadger, uh, dagger nose, Pondicherry great hammerhead, striped smooth hound, smooth back angel, the poor beagle. The sawback, the sand tiger, the oceanic white tip, the regular hammerhead, the glyphus, the Argentine angel shark, the dusky shark, the Borneo, the Irrawaddy river shark, the Natal shy shark, the angular angel shark, and the silky shark. There's 5,000 species of sharks, but these are all the ones that are endangered. And again, it's these fucking it's the same assholes that you will see taking trips to fucking africa like i'm gonna shoot a lion in the face like it's those fucking assholes mm -hmm. they're like i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna catch me a great white that'll prove what a big man i am and no one will look at my tiny penis like it's like great like you have a tiny dick whatever like buy a fucking sports car you don't need to go kill something like nobody's going to think you're cool. It's the same thing as with these assholes that are like, you know, I bet if I rev my engine really loud as I drive through this residential neighborhood, all the women will come out and throw their panties at me. Because, you know, that's how that works. You know, like, that's... <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, maybe I can't think like that because I'm not a fucking asshole. Um, yeah, the whole thing with... with hunting sharks for sport like i get it you have to be macho and like you know it's a testosterone thing and it's like oh yeah well i captured a shark one time it's like great i don't i don't give a shit like like that doesn't impress me it's like were you in the water with a spear no you were in a boat oh well how is that impressive that to me doesn't seem that impressive like i mean in all honesty, these days, you want to know what's impressive to me? Conservation. Going out there and, you know... Uh, compassion. Right, exactly. You know, like... Showing these animals some compassion, fighting for their rights, uh, not killing them. Tag them, learn about them. Giving them their space, donating to different organizations like the Atlantic Shark Conservatory. Conservancy. That was conservatory. It's conservancy. I'll just double check. Um, but I mean, they're fantastic. They're located on the the Cape. Uh, yep, you know, conservancy, and, Atlantic and White Shark Conservancy. Fucking staying out of the ocean. Yeah, if you want to go swimming, go swimming. But realize there are fucking like there are. You are not the king of the ocean. You are not like if you are going like the same way that you would be like, geez, I don't want to go in the woods because there are bears. There are wolves. Understand that if you go in the water, there are other animals. And it's not just the sharks that'll get you. There are stonefish. There's, you know, stingrays. There's, uh, you know, all kinds of poisonous. The Jellyfish going to come get you. Blue ringed octopus. Like, 
you know there's oh, no that's another thing too speaking of octopus kind of sidestep here Octopuses. um first of all if you have not watched the most recent last week tonight with john oliver the, that little the blurb, web special yeah the little web special that they've been doing uh while he's on yeah, summer between, break yeah when there's weeks in between it's all about the octopus and it's fantastic and if you also seen... if you have not seen my octopus teacher that is currently on the academy award-winning award my octopus teacher on netflix do yourself a favor and do so it'll give you a an astounding amount of respect for these animals and and they are just so unbelievably intelligent it is believed that if humans did not live on earth that the octopus. octopus would come out of the water and inherit the land. It would become an amphibious. Yeah, I've seen some amazing documentaries on that. It's awesome. It's it, they are they are incredible. I um, uh, you also have this great app on your yeah, phone. Yeah, I, I, I have it pulled up right now. Um, it's called Sharktivity, and it's put out by the Atlantic Sh uh, White Shark Conservancy. Which again, you can buy their calendars. You can buy you know their merch. Um, you know, I have a bunch of stuff. Like, you know, I've adopted. Uh, your sister got me a white shark. Yeah, you have. A, you adopted a shark. Um, I, I adopted a narwhal. I have to pull all that stuff out because I have it in my in my desk somewhere. I have to pull that out. But um, earlier uh, today, uh, nope, yesterday, well, Friday, the sixteenth, uh, there was a white shark alert in uh, uh, Chatham. It wasn't one of the. Uh, no, it was uh, James. So if you go into the Sharktivity app, you can see all the different sharks that have been tagged. You can see uh, shark shark activity within the last two days, the last week, the last month. Uh, they have, let's see, there's Agnes, Amy, Brucey, Mac, Cool Beans, Danny, Dexter, Flash, Frank, Hunter, Jack, James, Jameson, Jesse, Josiah, Lulu, Luke, Machiella, Marianne, Mayo, Miss Caroline, Mueller, Nan, C, S, E, A, uh, Newton, Omar, Ronald something, Ronald Tarantino Jr., uh, not my name, but that's the name that they gave the shark. Maybe it's named after Ron Tarantino. Uh, Ruby, Scratchy, Seth, uh, Snowflake, SPC, Brian K. Arsenal. I don't know if that's, he's a shark or, I mean, I have heard of the military using dolphins and seals to deliver bombs. And uh, Warrior, which makes sense because the uh, mascot of uh, the Nasset High School is the Warriors. And I know this because that's where my mom went to school, the Nasset High Warriors. So it's really cool to sit back and enjoy films like Jaws. I mean, Jaws is a, a let's face it, it's an almost perfect film. It really is. The writing is fantastic. Obviously, you know, the the practical effects, the acting, the casting is just superb. Enjoy films like that, but know that that's not real life. And what's happening in real life is that these animals are endangered and they're on the verge of being extinct in some aspects. And that's not okay. That's not cool. But there are so many things that you can do to help out these creatures. And, you know, I think that we have a responsibility to not only create this kind of entertainment and enjoy this entertainment, but to also save the animals and save these species from dying out.
Yeah, and that's the they're such that's important, the important part of our ecosystem. Right, and I've I've brought this up. This I didn't mean for this to turn into like a PBS special. No, but <laughs> I'll I'll bring this up before we <laughs> before we take our last break. Um, there was uh, many years ago, and because this same thing has been happening on the Cape, everybody wants to get rid of the sharks, hunt the sharks. But the reason that the sharks are there is because there are so many goddamn seals. But nobody wants to get rid of the seals because the seals are cute. So, uh, I want to say 15, 20 years ago, um, there were there was this uh, outcry against gray wolves in like you know Montana, you know like northern states like that, and so. They're like, all right, open season on the gray wolves. They went and killed all the goddamn gray wolves. And then the deer population fucking exploded Mm -hmm. and destroyed all the crops. And they're like, oh, shit, we oughtn't to have done that. So they then had to go other places and get gray wolves from other places and catch them humanely and release them so that they would control the deer population. So what I'm saying is... If you want to get rid of the sharks, you need to get rid of the seals. And part of the reason why the seals are everywhere, especially on the docks in Chatham, is because that's where the fishermen are. And people go and they give the seals fish and they feed them. And it's so like, great. Oh my like, God, look at the seal. They're so cute. Look at the water puppy. Oh, wow. Oh my God, the water puppy's playing Oh my around. God, why are there sharks everywhere? Because there's fucking seals everywhere. Well, that's why. And it also, you know... A lot of things are now stemming from global warming. And again, sorry, did not mean to turn this into a PBS special, but, uh, you know, the seal season, so to speak, is happening during tourist season now. And that wasn't necessarily the case before. And it's because of, uh, you know, global warming, climate change, we'll say, uh, causing a delay in migration patterns, causing delays in seasons. You know, it, it's this, it's kind of like a one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. So it's like, you know, uh, climate change leads to the seals being here, being around, during the summer season moving being, with the warmer weather and, right you know uh and then obviously the sharks are following the seals so you know their migration patterns have changed as well so it's it's this snowball effect of everything pretty much stemming from climate change global warming and you know uh, we're gonna see more of this if we don't do things to kind of help heal our planet right and the the uh the path to fixing this is not kill the sharks no it is not and it's also not kill the seals as well no it's It's, get rid of the seal you know catch them bring them somewhere like you don't have to kill them but if you get rid of the food source you get rid of the sharks here's the thing if people just respect nature and, you know, I know that, I mean, again, well, it, it's just like Amity, you know, uh, Amity Island, mm-hmm. you know, the Cape, let's say, uh, during the summer, these beach touristy places that make most of their money during the summer tourist seasons. Um, 
they want the beaches open they want people in the water they want people you know having a good time they want people spending their money because that's you know the the livelihood of pretty much everyone in that area and i get it i get it but we need to teach people to respect nature and you know go to the beach have a great time but when you're in the water be cautious because that's not your home yeah, and everywhere we go, just you know, to wrap this up before we take our our, our last break, uh, everywhere on the Cape that we go, every beach we go to, has signs telling you, "Hey, there are sharks today. There aren't sharks today. Here's the first aid kit to stop massive wounds, just in case you're out in the water and something happens." But I mean, just be observant of your surroundings. If Don't swim by the goddamn seals. Exactly. I was gonna say, like, if there are a lot of seals in the water on the beach that day, I mean, a give them their space. You don't need to crowd them. Because they will fuck you up. But maybe don't go in the... Still enjoy the beach. You know, wade in the water a little bit. That's fine. But maybe don't go in the water. Maybe respect the ocean that day. Give the animals their space. Yeah. So, uh, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to wrap everything up. So, we'll be right back. Are you looking to add to your collection of sports memorabilia? Trying to find that grail item to show off to your friends? Do you like to win? Then head on over to the Major Sports Drops group on Facebook. From pucks to jerseys, bats to helmets, Major Sports Drops is your place for sports memorabilia items dropped daily. Signed by today's stars as well as Hall of Famers. Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Mike Ditka, Barry Sanders, Wade Boggs, Zdeno Chara, Odell Beckham, Lamar Jackson, Frank Thomas, and many more autographs have already been pulled. You can get in on the action for as little as $5 per spot. There are multiple drops each day, with special contests also running at various times each month as well. So join the Major Sports Drops Facebook group and get in on the action today. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do ye have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a codpiece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into Mythical Meats Exotic Game Sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give ye a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack, featuring dragon, chupacabra, and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky Sample Pack, with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix. Can't decide on which one you want? Why not try the Exotic Flavor Sample Pack? featuring all 10 flavors so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary.
And we are back. So that was uh, Pivot. Yeah, that was obviously Pivot. the uh the Jaws theme. Pivot. Yeah, Pippet. Uh, Pippet. Poor Pippet. Actually, if you there's a tour that you can take, like there's a, a mapped out tour that you can take on uh, on Martha's Vineyard, and you can you can uh, you can go see uh, Pippet's grave, like the actual Black Lab who played Pippet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cute. Oh. So. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the uh, information about both Jaws and real-life sharks because, you know, I kind of wanted to, you know, well, we both wanted to kind of tie it into, um, you know, Shark Week and discuss the character and, like, what happened with, you know, like, what this, you know, because we always talk about how the the impact that, you know, the, the... not necessarily pop culture always or you know like whatever happens in like the cultural zeitgeist but the um you know the impact that some of these films and books and characters can have in real life right right i mean and obviously this film has had a huge impact on pop culture oh yeah you know uh, referenced by a lot of films and television shows (laughs) i just spent Uh, 31 (laughs) dollars on a quint figure the other day at target because i love this movie so much you know um you got me all the all the jaws stuff for my birthday i got a blanket i got a hat Got the soundtrack. You have all of the Funkos, yeah, and including that new one that's coming. Yep. Yeah. But the, the tilty boat. Yeah, we have. So we have Hooper, Brody, and Quint. But then we also have the shark, the shark with the air tank, and the shark eating Quint, the bloody variant. And then the one that we have pre-ordered that's coming, I think, next month, is on the boat with the boat tilting. Quint going into Sliding the shark's mouth. Down, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that's pretty fantastic. And uh, if you're a big fan of horror uh, stuff, I highly recommend the group Kales from the Crypt, run by our friend Kaylee. Mm -hmm. It's C-A-I-L-S on Facebook, Kales from the Crypt, uh, because I won not only a a, uh, a movie poster signed by Susan Backlany, who played Chrissy Chrissy Watkins. Watkins herself. Who was in the book was Christy Watkins, so that's a weird, weird thing to change. Um so I got that signed, but I also have a vial of blood used in uh, Quint's death scene. Uh, so, it, I mean, it's just the, the fake blood that they used on set, but it's the fake blood that they used on set. Like, And, of course, shout out to uh, Ocular Deceptions, because I have this phenomenal fucking uh, piece that it's it was hand-drawn and hand-painted. And it says, you know, instead of Jaws, it just says Patsy. And it's just a shark. Like, there's no naked girl swimming at the top. But it's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I think I like this better than I like the uh, the, the Jaws blood. Because this was personalized. Like, this was made for me. Well, I mean, let's not forget your own personal logo. That's right. Drawn I, by Jeanette, Jeanette Andromeda. Yep. Uh, and if you see the post for St. Branrick Powhall Day... Uh, we're both wearing the Patsy shirt where it's me as the shark and a shark as uh, Chrissy Watkins. And everyone's like, are you meant to eat the shark? I'm like, oh, I'm not going to eat him. Like, you know, I'm just hanging out. Because, you know, fish are like, friends. Uh, I'm going to get you. Yeah, fish. And that's another one. Speaking of pop culture, you know, it's even. Uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah. Got into our children's programming with How Finding about, Nemo. Uh Bob's Burgers, the deepening, three deepening, when they get the shark and the shark goes on a rampage. 
and they yes. kill it by filling it with ice cream. Yes. <laughs> Just the, the the remote control shark like just went nuts. You got oh yeah, you got me the book, the Joe Alvis book. Yes. Um, yeah, like I have a ton of jaw. Like I'm currently wearing a Jaws shirt. I just bought we one have the other day. The Jaws board game. Yep. I have, I have. I think I have like five or six Jaws shirts, like various uh, logos and designs. Um, I have the Mountain Dew Frostbite, which is the shark juice. Well, that's what we call it because it's all sharks. I have the I have the Jaws Drain Stopper. That's how like insane I am with this. Like, I have the uh, the the Comic Con exclusive, the one with the three barrels that you can Velcro to him, the little plush guy that was like thirty dollars, and it's only like an eight inch shark. <laughs> Ugh. But yeah, I I it's, like Jaws. It's crazy to think that this is something. I mean, because it came out in seventy five, so it still forty six years. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's it's awesome. So we're gonna wrap this up. I know you've got a couple of things you want to talk about. Well, I mean, I do have some wines to talk about. Well, let's talk about wine. I am currently partaking of a new wine, and I love it, and I want to tell you about it. So it is called Toasted Head. That is the brand, and the label has a bear breathing fire. And that's kind of what I'm like, okay, I see you. Let me see what you're about. So the origin of the brand Toasted Head, it is named for the traditional practice of toasting barrel heads and staves to impart a mellow toasted flavor to barrel-aged wines. So it's something that not every brand does. But uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. So hence, like, the, the, the bear breathing the fire and stuff. So they toast the tops of the barrels, which is supposed to affect the flavor. And <coughs> I'm going to tell you if it does. So I'm currently drinking. They have four different types of wines. A Cabernet, a Sauvignon, a Chardonnay, a Merlot, and an Untamed Red. So obviously, I'm currently partaking of the Merlot. And I have to say, uh, this wine is Mistress of Merlot approved. I'm really enjoying this. I am like half a bottle deep right now. I also hopped up on antihistamines and cough medicine. I ca I'm a really good time right now. Uh, so the Merlot is described as, on the nose, aromas of cherries and black fruit are nicely framed by toasty oak aromatics of vanilla and graham cracker with a hint of ginger and cedar spice. The palate is big and soft with flavors of rich black fruits and cherry pie rounded out with a touch of smoke and chocolate. Now I know that sounds like a lot and it sounds like a lot of flavors kind of like thrown like hodgepodge just together and it may not make sense hearing it but tasting it it does like there's a, a little bit of a spice to it which is where you kind of get like that that ginger and cedar spice but it's just a little bit just a little bit obviously you get like this uh big juicy jammy and you know how i love describing wines as jammy uh flavors and that's the cherries and the black fruit but then it is so smooth it you know is it it nice mellow merlot it's dry but it is so incredibly smooth and that is because it is uh aged 
in those oak barrels and it does have like a uh i, I guess the best way to describe it is toasty jammy like a, a toasty flavor to it like it's a, it's, it's a little bit different than you know, other Merlots, it has this uh, definitely a little bit of a smoky flavor to it, which I, I really do enjoy. And I think that comes from the toasted barrel itself, but it is really good. Um, it smells like your typical, like a typical Merlot, but like I said, it, it just kind of hits the uh, flavor, like it hits your palate different at different times so each sip you kind of get a little something different i feel like it would pair very well with uh pastas i mean to be honest it paired really well with my salted caramel oreo brownie thing that i ate yeah they were pretty good uh but yeah this is uh it's great so it's called toasted head that is the brand and this is the Merlot that I'm currently drinking. So I do plan on trying, uh, I think I might try the Chardonnay next. Because actually the Chardonnay is what I saw first. And I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll see if they have something. Because I was kind of in a, in a red mood. I wasn't really in the mood to drink something white. Um, but you know how I'm on that quest for buttery finding buttery Chardonnay. So I think this whole, uh, this whole segment should be called Get a Merlot of Me. Get a merlot of me. Do you have to say it like I get a yeah, get a merlot of me, huh? Yeah. I'm not going to say it like that. Like Skeletor Where? if he was like a gangster. Get a merlot of me. That was like the what the <laughs> f- <laughs> Alright, so moving on. Um yeah, my my science fact is just uh, uh I mentioned it earlier, but in case you missed it. Um uh, you know, every year sharks average about seven uh, human deaths. They kill seven people a year. Um, and humans kill about 100 million sharks. To kind of put that into perspective, you are more likely to be killed by a cow or a vending machine falling on you than you are uh, to be killed by a shark. So just throwing that out there. So um, we've got uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, I do apologize for this episode being a little late. You know, Ash has been life working crazy to thing. save the world. Um, but, yeah, life gets in the way sometimes. So, yeah, but, but life uh, finds, finds a, way. a way. So we're putting this out at the end of the week. Uh, if you are listening to this uh, after July 17th, uh, unfortunately you have missed St. Branrick Powhall Day. But you can go to YouTube under Throwdown Thursday Podcast and you can watch... Uh, powerful Brandon and myself riff on some terrible movies. Uh, we are going to be doing uh, Birdemic Shock and Terror, as well as uh, Backstroke of the West, The Third Gathers. I know that's a lot to take in, but if you're not familiar with that, um, that is essentially, uh, it's Revenge of the Sith, translated into Chinese, and then back to English. So we're going to watch that. Um you know, and share it on YouTube. We're going to, because everything that we're going to watch is on YouTube. So it's, you know, we're going to try to avoid some copyright stuff here. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're going to do it live if you haven't seen the, the notifications, but that's what we're doing. Uh, we've got a Black Widow episode coming up. We just have to watch the movie. Uh, we've got 
And I'm sure we'll talk about Loki at some point because uh, I was very angry at the end of that. But we'll get to that. Yeah, after. Uh, we have a He-Man and Masters of the Universe episode coming uh, up next week. Next week, I think we'll be no. We'll, I think we'll wait for the week after. So the, the so, so the next end, week is Black Widow. The end of uh, the end of July. And will then the be. following week is He-Man. Yes, because we'll and give people a week to watch it. The following week will be Loki. Or unless something else crazy comes up, but uh, yeah, we'll be we'll be talking about that and uh, keep an eye out for uh, Shark Bites episodes and um, obviously the sports show. And we got great stuff coming up on uh, on uh, the Creator Spotlight show, so make sure you're checking that out every Monday. Uh, and I think with that being said, we, we will, will see you next Thursday. Thursday. Have Chums. a fantastic day. You're Jossum! Jaws the shark, lurking in the dark of the depths of the sea. One day on a lark, decides to get rowdy, get real violent. Takes a vacay up to Amity Island. Sunshine, lotion, fun in the sun, blood in the ocean. Everybody run, cause it's crazy how few fucks this shark gives. He'll eat naked ladies, he'll eat little kids, oh no. Keeping the community safe There's a guy named Brody and his pal Richard Dreyfuss Jaws don't know that a storm's gonna come He just wants everyone to be his chum Get it? Get it? The mayor don't care if the townsfolk die He doesn't want to spoil the 4th of July He's like, everyone cool it and go for a swim But holy shit, here comes that fence And Jaws is here on his head but the wrong little shark baby ends up dead it was john's little brother now he's pissed the mayor just shot to the top of his list he sneaks in his house in the middle of the night and he eats that fucker in a single bite golly now the mayor's dead so brody's in charge he knows the real killer is still at large so he and the dreyfus make a decision they're going on a mission they're gonna go fishing for Jaws. A man named Quint lets him use his boat on the condition that he'd be the one to cut Jaws' throat. Cause he was a sailor back in World War II. And Jaws ate his entire crew. Whoa, Jaws is here. Here is Jaws. He is a shark without a cause. He was in a movie, a movie called Jaws. Jaws is here.
in heaven. He's a star now. Brody's angry. He's all like, fuck it. He takes a harpoon and welds it to a rocket. Jaws' last words are, whoa, respect. Then he explodes and it's a pretty good effect. Yeah, Jaws is dead. Long live Jaws. He was a shark without a cause. He was in a movie. You should watch it. It's called Jaws. Jaws is dead. Long live Jaws. Jaws is dead. Long live Jaws. He was a shark without a cause. He was in a movie called Jaws. At the Academy Awards. He was robbed. Sharks exist in real life. He was in a movie that everyone saw. Jaws is dead.